And if you want to open your Bibles, uh, where do we turn? Where do we turn? Uh, let's turn. Let's turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 15. If you're there, my name is Dylan, if you don't know me. Hi, guys. Hi, hi, hi. Um, I must say, this week has been one of those weeks where you have a blank page until this morning kind of thing, if you know what I'm saying. And I'm still trying to work out, Lord, what is it you want to say today? Because I don't want to just bring you a message for the sake of bringing you a message. Amen? I think there's something about when God's speaking that you want to hear from the actual very heartbeat of heaven and the heart of God. And I was really wrestling with this thing of, of time this week. Anyone uh, struggled with time? Yeah? Anyone think that they could do with some more time? Yeah? Mark chapter 1 verse 15, it says this. It says, the time has come. Oh, there we go, there we go. So do you want to, someone's getting it. So what do we say? The time has come. Another translation says the time has been fulfilled. Can you say fulfilled? Now, I don't know about you, but that's a powerful thing because when the time has come, this is a quite a big statement, you know, that the time has come. What time? You know, this is basically a statement saying all of history has been built. Oh gosh, that's not going to help. Let's put that there. All of history is, has been building up to this moment. And what this moment is, it has come right here, right now. And what does he say? He said, the kingdom of God has come near. And he says, repent and believe the good news. Amen. So the time has come and he's saying, repent and believe the good news. Why has the time come? Because the kingdom of God has come near. How did the kingdom come near? Because Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one had come to the earth, God himself in flesh to come to mankind. And in his coming, all of history culminated in the coming of Christ. Imagine all of history pointing to one person and that person has suddenly arrived and his name is Jesus. That's an incredible thing. Because remember the Jews up to that time had had all the promises of a Messiah coming, a Christ coming to bring hope to a hopeless world. And suddenly... The writer, we, we get this pronunciation from Christ himself saying, the time has come. No longer are you waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. The promise is right here in front of you because the kingdom of God has come near in the coming of Christ. Amen. Amen. That's an exciting thing. Because let me tell you something. Some of you don't have much time left. <laughs> A pleasure. We're about being real in this church. The deception for some of you is you think you have more time left than you do. Come on. Who's the youngest in the room? Isla. Uh, put up your hand. Uh, I won't say who's the oldest in the room because that, you know, gets a little awkward. But, but here's a, uh, Beth, I thought you were pointing at someone saying they're the oldest. I thought that's a bit awkward. Uh, no, it was just a seed. Um, but here's the thing, is if you're over a certain age, you start contemplating the end of life more than those that are younger. The deception if you're younger is you think you're guaranteed tomorrow, which you're not. 
It's true. Death is something that none of us want to contemplate, but all of us have to face at some point. And the problem with the, uh, uh, living here that I found is people don't want to face death. And when death comes, they want to blame God for death rather than actually looking to God and saying, God, we need hope and life beyond death. But rather than actually going to the hope, we run away from the hope and we run to blaming rather than to saving. Jesus came to bring salvation so that we could have something called eternal life, not temporal life. The problem is we invest all of our time in the temporal rather than looking at the eternal. And my question to you is, what is the point? What is the point? If if life ends when you breathe your last breath, what is the point of even living with any kind of morality, any kind of purpose, any kind of thing about eternity? Because it's just a temporal blip in the space of eternity. But if you don't believe in eternity, what is the point of life? When actually you believe in eternity, you know that what you do in this life can actually affect the eternal, then suddenly your temporal takes on an eternal significance. The problem we look at in our world is that people are dying for something eternal. As Solomon was writing in Ecclesiastes, when the people were, when he was kind of in a weird space with God, he was walking, some commentators would say, away from God, but I see it slightly differently, but he's in this place of meaninglessness, and he goes through all about time, and what he gets to is he says, God has put eternity in the hearts of man. And in each heart, wherever you are with God today, whether you are far from him, you don't believe in him, or you do believe in him and you're devoted to him, I can tell you one thing. There's an eternal space in your heart that is put there, and that is craving for something of eternal significance. Amen. Amen. But here's the thing. Time is running out. I'll be honest with you. I'm not one of those preachers that likes the end time stuff. Can I be honest? Yes. Some preachers, all they preach about is end times. Some preachers, uh, like me, are just like, I know I focus on the man, not the plan kind of thing. I'm just like, whether you want to believe in the pre-millennial, post-millennial, brother-millennial, all these funny words, I don't really care. All I know is Jesus is coming again. Whether you like it or you don't. And when you look at the world today in Matthew 24, all the signs of the end of the coming of the age, we are close yet so far. You know why? Because Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of what? The kingdom of God must first be preached to all nations and only then will the end come. Some people are like, whoa, the gospel is being preached to our Britain. No, 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 no. What gospel? What gospel? The gospel of the kingdom of God? Or f- how many of you know there's some fake gospels out there? Yeah? Not just because someone, <laughs> no. Guys, not everything you hear about Jesus means it's the right Jesus. Did you know there are different Jesuses? 2 Corinthians eleven six. 6, Paul was dealing with false prophets, false teachers. And what he said is, if I come to you and I preach a different Jesus from the one you accepted, or preach a different gospel from the one you received, let me be eternally condemned. Why? Because there are different gospels and not everything that says it's a gospel is the gospel. I can try and change the gospel to make you feel better. That doesn't make it true. 
This is the danger. We try and change things in order to comfort people rather than speak truth in the moment so that then people can be comforted knowing that they did everything they could to live a life of eternal significance. Amen. How many, I, I, I read this this week, if you are 30 years old today, amen, amen. It, this, I, I thought this was so helpful just to put time in perspective for you. Anyone play poker here? Okay, cool. We all have different theologies here. But did you know this? You have 400,000 poker chips. Each poker chip is worth one hour. That's how many you have left if you live the average life of 77 years old. 400,000 from the age of 30 to the rest of your life is 400,000 left. Here's the deal with this game of poker. You can only put a chip in once and you never get it back. Only once. Now, out of those poker chips, out of those 400,000 poker chips, here, here's what's cool. You'll spend at least a roughly about 133,333 on sleep. You'll spend another 50,000, if you add the average statistic here, on social media. Just, just, let's read that again. 50,000 of your 400,000 will be spent on social media. Does that sound like a problem? A little bit. Um, depending on whether you're a man or lady here, 8,333 will be spent in the bathroom. You got, you got it? In nature calls, you can't, we can't get around that one, guys. I mean, if you, who likes to sit on the toilet a bit longer than others? Anyone? Anyone? Yes. Okay, all the men in the room, yes. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. You're only left with about 200,000 poker chips after those in order to live your life and make a life of destiny and purpose. That's crazy. Do you know that you only get, from the beginning of your life, about 4,000 weeks? That's roughly, if you live the average lifespan, that's how many weeks you have. Who had a bad week this week? Yeah? <laughs> yeah, you had an operation. How many of you want to make those 4,000 count? Notice something. If you are 40 years old today, you've only got 2,000. That's crazy. Dylan, why, why are you trying to scare me? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to snap you out of a reality that you think that there's more time left than you actually think there is. And that's only if you live to the average age. A lot of us probably won't get there. So let's be honest. Let's be real. Let's be uh, people that can actually grasp our finitude. Uh, I read this to um, scientists said we struggle to comprehend infinity, but perhaps we are also blind to the concept of finality and the inescapable truth that our journey will one day come to an end. My question is, do we live with a deception that we will live forever on this planet rather than actually we will live forever in Jesus Christ? And maybe our perspective could change and shift when you go into work tomorrow that actually can we afford to waste more weeks living lives of no purpose and no meaning? Or is it time to actually step back and say, I need to find destiny in my life and purpose because I cannot waste another one of these weeks. Amen. I'm tired of throwing my poker chips into hands that aren't good. I want to change the hand and believe that my God has set a destiny and purpose that I'm going to sow these intentionally with a purpose for changing history and living a life of destiny, not just a life of destruction and for temporal living. It's powerful. 
But my question is, are you making the most of life? Because let's be honest, Christians, what do we claim? We claim to have purpose in life. Yet why is it so many of us as Christians, if I asked you to raise your hands now, know what your purpose is in life? How many of you can say with 100% certainty, right now if I said raise your hand, I am living my life for the purpose God designed me and made me for? Yeah. A few people are like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's an interesting thing. Why is it? Because we live in this thing. And my question to you is, Jesus came to bring us what? Life. He said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the fill. Now, my question is, what is life? What is life? Because Colossians 3, 4 says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. What does that mean? Jesus himself is your life. He is life itself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what is life and what does it mean to live a life of purpose and destiny as a Christian? Or if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus, my challenge should be find meaning without Jesus. You cannot. Push your philosophy of atheism to its nth degree and you end up with nothing. Is this truth? Yeah, it's gone quiet. Oh man. You see, Jesus, and in John 17, 3, it says, This is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Did you know eternal life doesn't start when you die? It starts right now. And it starts with a relationship in knowing God and walking with God day in and day out, not waiting till death to the door of death that then suddenly you find your meaning. What a wasted life. Now don't get me wrong, grace is the free gift of God's salvation that you can meet Christ on your deathbed and you can go to heaven. But so many of us focus on heaven and dying and getting to heaven rather than bringing heaven to earth and living a life of heaven and changing the history of humanity. Because I look around me and I think, the, uh, in town theologians here, let me just challenge you a little bit. Some of you are waiting at the rapture bus stop thinking, I just want to be taken. It's like, I've given up on the world to hell with the world. What I'm going to do, I'm going to sit at the, I'm going to sit at the bus stop and wait for this bus to arrive. And I've just given up on the world. Well, I want to say that's a very, very sad life. Come on. The conviction settling in. But, but remember this. I, I, I'll just annoy the end time theologians quickly here. Is remember what Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Everyone know that scripture? Let me ask a question. Who, because uh, a lot of us as Christians think what happens? The Christians disappear and then the wicked inherit the earth. In the days of Noah, who disappeared? The wicked, who inherited the earth? The righteous. Just throwing it out there. Anyway, so what did Jesus say? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What did 2 Peter 3 say? That we are looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth. 
God is bringing renewal to this earth in a way. How you believe it gets there, I don't mind. I'm messing with you end times, guys. But what I'm saying here is I have hope for this earth in eternity coming to earth that we can see a shift in culture. We can see a shift in the local church that the church of Jesus Christ is not dying. It is growing because when there's a seed and a remnant, suddenly there's always hope. And when there's hope, if you lose hope, you end up in hopelessness. But just like Abraham faced his hopeless situation, not being able to bear children. What does it say in Romans 4.19? Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Let me ask you, when you look at the world today, I was going through London again this week and I've been in London a lot and I'll tell you something, I go there and I think, my goodness, are we even making a dent? I'll be honest with you, it's hard to maintain hope sometimes. You walk in there, I'm like, how are we going to do this thing? How are we going to change this world? I mean, we as Christians, we get so excited. Oh, the church is growing. The church is growing. Yes, with Christians. I love you if you're a Christian, yeah, but you know what I love more is seeing heathen get saved. Do you just call me a heathen? Yeah, I was too. Yeah, guys, we, 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 you know all the church growth stuff I go to for church conferences, you know what they focus on? The churches that are growing predominantly by church transfer growth. That's not success. That's called theft. <laughs> That's called stealing the sheep rather than changing the goat to a sheep. <laughs> We as a church need to stop this comp- competition thing and say, actually, there are great churches in Milton Keynes. If you're a Christian visiting, that's great. If you want to stay and get part of the mission of God to reach the lost and not to please you, then stay here. But if not, go to a church where they can cuddle you and say how wonderful you are. That's amazing. But what we are here for is a mission to see the lost saved and the lost found. Unapologetically. Dylan, the music's too loud. Okay. Yeah, and? Get some earplugs. Ben's drumming's too loud. <laughs> That's okay. But you know what? If, a, if someone that does not know Jesus and is far from God walks in here and they're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. that that's pretty cool. Um, I, I want to check this out and, and do it. Yeah. Then that's a win for me. Yeah. Equally, if someone came in, they're like, Yo, I'm really struggling to hear and I, I don't know Jesus, but I'd really like to explore. Can you work on me? Cool, let's change. Why? Because what I want to do is I want to reach the lost more than I want to please the saved. Amen. Okay, that's the whole church gone. One comment there. (laughs) Come on. Because, yeah, here's the thing. A life of intention is something that we as Christians should be living in. Ephesians 5 says, be very wise how how you live. Be very wise how you live. And then it says, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. And why does he say that? Because the days are evil. Meaning the days are short. The time is short. How many opportunities do you look back in your life and think, I wasted it. I missed it. And how many of them do you look back and say, actually, no, we hit it. Bang on, that was amazing, that's awesome, we've got it. You know what wisdom is? It's making the most of every opportunity as children of light. How many of you have missed opportunities in your lives? If any of, uh, I'm from a business 
I do business as well, and, and I love it. But anyone know what happened when COVID happened, the first lockdown? Who knows what happened in the stock markets? Boom, right down. How many people in the room started buying at that time? Yeah, come on, my investor friends, this is it. Yeah, the three of, we should have a meeting, eh? Now, the thing is, why did you buy? It, oh, it will come back. Yeah, now who's an optimist in the room? Right there. Now, here's the thing. is I remember phoning a, a Hedron manager and saying, look, I know this isn't logical. This is crazy. What do I do? I want to get some stocks, and I feel like this is just, this is, it's got to just go back up. And it was the best time of our lives from a trading point of view. Why? Because it wasn't logical, but everything within the economy, people ran from an opportunity because they were in fear rather than running into the fear and finding the opportunity. This is what happens in our lives. So often people are waiting for the opportunity of a lifetime and it's right in front of you. And God's saying, I wanna teach you how to make the most of every single opportunity that I've laid before you. Oh, shame. The, there were some guys that, who remembers when oil went negative? Do you remember that? But our, our, our petrol pump stayed the same price. Anyone remember that? Well, yeah, yeah. Now, oil went negative. People made millions by buying oil in negative territory because they knew it had to go up. Why? Because they knew the timing and they went in for it. My question to you is, what timing have you been given in this life? And are you missing opportunities because you're waiting for the next thing rather than seeing the person right in front of you and saying, I want to invest in this person that God's given me in my life so that I can make an eternal difference to their life and not just live a life of selfishness, focusing on me, my, and I, but actually I'm in my workplace to make a difference to the person right in front of me. Amen. How many poker chips could you invest in changing lives for eternity? Hey, imagine if we could live a life of purpose and not a life of blame. Fulfillment is an intentional thing. And and one of the, the, the words here where it says make the most, that word is redeem the time. It means to bring back the time to a time of value and saying, actually, who watched the rugby last night? Oh gosh, oh gosh. Oh my goodness, hey? Anyone, no rugby fan? Let's just take a moment, a moment of silence, everyone. Now, Jay, is you watch the rugby, who are you watching the rugby with? Could it be a moment and an opportunity to sow the kingdom of God into someone's life, even if you lose? Hey? The, the beauty I had last night, and this was a bit of a struggle for me, I'll be honest, I have a South African passport and I have a Irish passport. The Lord is so good. When you, when you win both ways, it's amazing. But I'm still supporting my South African team. Anyway, is how many of you, when it says the time has been fulfilled, it means it's completed, it's done, it's, it, the opportunity is, is done. And that word, I've said this before, it means it's like an expiry date. The season is done. That word for time is kairos, where we get the word season. When a season is done, the worst thing you can do is try and keep living in that season. How many of you have listened to a song and you've killed it? Who are those people? You play the song on repeat until it drives everyone in the house crazy, and then eventually you don't even like the song. Hey, 
You know what that means? The song's expired. The time has been fulfilled and it's time to move on. Same thing in your life. Some of you are trying to live in the memories of the past rather than the moments of the present. And what ends up happening is you never live in a life of fulfillment if you're continually living in the past. When Paul said, I press on towards the goal to which God has given me, not backwards towards the past to which my devil's trying to bind me. I'm going to live for the future inheritance that God has for me in my life. Amen. But as a church, how much more so should we be looking to the future and not looking at the past? It's great to celebrate the past, friends, but it's not where we can live and live into our future. That's the one thing that can keep us. Sometimes the worst thing you can do is have a good past. Because you think that's where you were happy and it was amazing and all of that. But we as a human species, we struggle to remember the past pains. We always think, oh, it was better back there. Anyone that's immigrated here, it was better back there. Really? I'll stop there. (laughs) It's not always as good as we remembered. Uh, I remember that song, How Great Is Our God. Everyone know it? How great. I'm traumatized by that song. We sang it so much in my youth and the song expired in my heart. (laughs) A long time ago. And then I know the theology. It's not about me. It's all about you, Lord. And it's, you know, all of that. I know all of that. But the song expired, people. Uh, anyone remember, um, oh, what's that one? Thousand, ten thousand reasons. Oh, somebody, should we put expiry dates on ten thousand reasons? You know, that's what I'm saying. Um, what about, uh, we, we did it here. We in the church, oh, what was it? Um, in my father's house. Everyone know that song? In my father's house. Yeah, yeah, that one expired. Dead, 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 dead. Like, guys, let's let's move on and get some new songs in the house. Why? Because there's a freshness that comes when you're in the season that a song's released. Have you ever looked back and thought, well, a a film changes your life and you watch it and it's amazing. Then you try and watch it again. You're trying to relive and rehash that which is past and it is gone. Don't try to live in that expiry dates are important on food amen who here me and my wife where's my wife there she is we differ on this point now i am not necessarily the best rule keeper in life believe it or not but in this area of life i fully believe in trusting that date on the food, especially chicken and pork. <laughs> but, <laughs> but my wife, who's a rule keeper in every area of life, except this area, is happy just with maybe it was yesterday. No, 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 no. The date says best before that date, not best after that date, people. Uh, You know what? You know what? You know what? (laughs) You guys can debate, but uh, if it's for, uh, okay, 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 (laughs) okay. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. The, the frozen issue, I'm all for. As long as the food has been 
on the day you purchased it, as the back of the pack says, freeze on the day of purchase, not on the day of expiry. Anybody know what I'm saying? So you put that in on the day of purchase, I'm all for that, and then eat it within the time that you meant to, which there's debates, Google, I always Google it, and then me and Anna have this debate. I'm like, babe, do you think it's okay? Are you sure it's okay? Because I have this fear about food poisoning. Why? Because I've got food poisoning every year in South Africa from all kinds of things. And people are like, well, you're weak and all of that. No. <laughs> you know why? Until I've started honoring, thank you, thank you. I've started honoring the expiry date. And that expiry date is treating me well. And me and Anna always have a good laugh, yeah? And it, do, it does actually cause tension in our, in our marriage, like genuinely. Um, because I, I just won't. I ask Anna, babe, will I? No, it's just like, even if it's eggs or anything like that, just don't do it. Don't risk it. Why take unnecessary risks? The days are short. Make the most of every opportunity. But yeah, yeah, here's what I'm going to say to you is, yeah, I'm bringing it back. It's coming home. Is don't eat that which is past. And what I mean by that is in the Bible, some of you are trying to live off yesterday's manna rather than today's fresh bread. Remember when the Israelites tried to eat the manna that fell yesterday and God said to them, you must gather enough just for today except for the Sabbath day. And what did they try and do? They tried to collect more so that they didn't have to gather the next day. And what happened? The next day it was sour. It expired. And some of you are living with yesterday's revelation of, oh, uh, your favorite Bible teacher, um, Derek Prince, great Bible teacher. Oh, well, how amazing. And there's revelation there. Oh, Driscoll. Oh, Tim Keller. Whoever your guy is or lady is, um, Joyce Meyer, whatever it is. And you're living off that. And then you're saying, but actually, I'm, you need to hear God for yourself from the word of God and allow that fresh manner into your heart because that's the only way you can sustain a vibrant relationship. Imagine me and Anna, I just said, um, we, had a, a, we had a date night on Friday in our kitchen. Yeah, and we got, I think, 40 minutes, 45 minutes maybe, before a kid started crying and going crazy and all of that. We had the candles on, and we just talked. But imagine I said to Anna, I was like, babe, ugh, we don't need a date day. We've had like 30 of them, you know, in the last two years. That's cool, you know. We've talked. Let's, you know, carry on. What's going to happen to our relationship? It's, it's not going to It's not going to flourish. Why? Because the foundation of a good relationship is communication, spending time together. And we loved it. It was a great 45 minutes, and then we had babies crying. It was, that was also great in a weird way. Uh, we, we, we had, I mean, we're up like quarter past 12 this morning, but we have a laugh. We laugh at each other. Why? Because we spend time together. But I guarantee you, if you don't spend that time together, we'll start fighting and killing each other. Why? We're not killing each other. It's not that extreme. But the reason is because a good, healthy relationship can go through the storm. It's when you're trying to go through a storm on yesterday's relationship or yesterday's communication that then you get stuck in the present fight that you're in. Amen. This is what it's like with the Lord. And the Lord wants a relationship with us that takes us forward into the inheritance that God has for us. He doesn't want us living off yesterday's church experience, yesterday's relational experience. He wants us living in the present experience of hearing from the living God that you can know he speaks to you as a father speaks to his son or daughter, that you don't have to live a life of purposelessness. You want to live a life of purpose and meaning. Amen. 
Come on. And here's, here's the reality is we've got a moment in history in this church. Here goes the timer. We've got, could the worship team come up? I think, we, I think we're nearly there. Is we've got a moment in history in this church to actually change lives. You know, I look at the, the men and women in this church and I get excited. I think, wow, we can actually influence and impact the city. But the only way that's going to happen is if every one of us takes our lives and says, actually, um, one of my non-Christian friends did this. Uh, he wrote, it's like a personal development thing people are doing at the moment, where they write, is it your eulogy? Is that the thing at like your funeral or whatever? But he wrote, wrote it at the age of 36 to say how he wants to be remembered. Non-Christian guy. And it really challenged me because I was thinking, wow, that's considering your life is finite and actually the moments in the present, when you understand that Christ is coming again and you believe in the second coming of Christ, what it means is that changes the way you live in the present. Why? Because you believe in that Jesus is coming and he's not coming just as your friend. Jesus is my best friend. He's coming like a rider on a horse with a sword coming out of his mouth with his robe dressed in blood, with a name written on him. He's got tattoos. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm killing the theologians today. He's, he's coming with his name is the word of God. And guess what? He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. Why, can, why does he have that name? Because he can. He doesn't need to explain himself to you because he's God. And that excites me that he's coming to, and it says, with justice, he makes war. This is a God who's coming. When you look at the world around you and you get a sense of hopelessness, let me ask you to consider that if you believe that there was someone coming to bring justice to this earth, every unjust thing that's happened on this planet, I know people's stories in this room and some of the most unjust things that can happen to you. And let me tell you, there will be a day of reckoning with justice he judges and makes war. That fills you with hope. You see, we don't love judgment in this culture, but all of us long for it deep down. If you sit with me for a weekend counseling with people, you will sit there and you will love the judgment and the wrath of God. It's true. We don't like wrath when it's expressed towards us, but when we actually understand that there will be a day when God comes and he sits and he separates and he says, you know what, enough is enough. That crime that someone got away with, I saw it all and I see it and I say, I'm going to come and make this right. I am the God of justice, that I am the God of mercy as well. And if you put your faith in Christ, he found a way to be both just and merciful at the same time on the cross of Christ. He didn't just overlook your sin, he became your sin. So that when the Father forgave you of your sin, he wasn't just letting you off, he put someone else in your place and poured out that judgment on that person so that you could walk free. That's called justice. You see, justice isn't God just saying, oh no, I forgive you because I let you go. No, 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 justice is his blood getting spilled for you so that that blood could wash you and make you whiter than snow. 
But my question to you is you as a Christian have a responsibility to humanity to release that blood over those around you that we can literally change someone's life. All I ask of you, my friend, is pray to the Lord and say, who this week could you sow one of your poker chips, this one hour, that's all I ask, sow that into someone's life for eternity rather than just another temporal Netflix binge. Come on. Please, 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 True Life Church, when we get to that day, and I pray, I, again, your theology of heaven, you can figure it out. I hope we know each other in heaven. I hope we do. I, I do hold a bit of a theology of that. I, I think it would be great. Uh, some of you, maybe not, no, Willem, no, Jake. But, but some of us, we, we'll be standing there, and, and imagine, imagine this moment where God just like poured out the poker chips. You're like, there are no poker chips in heaven. Just go with the illustration, people. Um, and he poured out, Please, please, please don't let there be 50,000 on social media. That's all I ask. <laughs> please. If you've got 50,000, if you're 30 years old today, work out your age around there, and 50,000 get poured out to social media, I'd be so sad as a pastor in this church because I haven't called you to something greater. But, but let it be whatever amount you want, but maybe imagine living a life of intention and saying, how many people did you sow and share the gospel with and then 50,000 poured out? That would be a lot more rewarding, amen? And it's not just about sharing the gospel, it's about living a life of intention and purpose and saying, actually, I lived in the God destiny you gave me. You can live your life to the glory of God, even if you're pushing dead bodies like Caleb used to do. That was his job. But things have changed, eh? He got saved and left a dead-end job. Thank you. Enter a job of purpose and meaning called sales. <laughs> it's amazing. Why? Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? So I wonder, can we stand? And I'd like to pray for you. And I'd like to pray for eternity to be revealed to you now. And then we can sing a song, Will. Or songs, I don't know what you've got prepared. you got a feast. And... Um, but I feel like I'd, I'd just like to give an opportunity. If there's someone here, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, and you're saying, Dylan, I need to put my life right with God. I need his blood to cleanse me from my sin and make me a new creation. I know that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. If that's you, I'd like you to raise your hand where you are, please. And I'd like to pray for you and say, actually, now is the time of salvation. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Now is the day. Is there anyone like that? I think most people know the Lord here, but if there's anyone, just raise your hand. Okay, and then if the people here, they're just like, Dill, I, need a, I need to live a life of meaning. I'm tired of li living in purposelessness. I need just a fresh touch of God. Can you just raise your hand where you are? I just want to pray a blessing over you. Like, Dylan, why do you want me to respond? Thank you. Just keep your hand there. It's because there's a response to the word of God that releases something of the blessing of God. Just raise your hands and Father, we pray now. I pray, Father God, that you'd set eternity into these hearts right now. I pray, Father God, that eternity would grip our souls, that our life is temporal, yet eternal at the same time. I pray, Father God, that you'd pour out destiny upon your daughters here, I pray you'd pour out your kingdom upon your sons, that people would know that the 
the chips they've been given, the amount of hours, the amount of days, we don't know how many we have, but Lord, we know that we have a hope for eternity. And I pray, Lord, that that hope would be secure in hearts, it'd be an assurance of salvation in hearts today, that people would know that they have a rock and an anchor for eternity. But Father God, I pray that True Life Church would be a church of intentional living, that we'd live for with an eternal mindset, and that, Father God, you'd use us to shape history. And, Father God, we wouldn't be a church that forgets about you coming again. But, Lord, we'd long for your coming. Not to run away, but to see you establish your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Lord, as we worship now, would we worship with an eternal perspective? In Jesus' name.